You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Second Kings chapter number 19 in your Bible, Second Kings chapter number 19. It is an absolute joy to be here at the great Victory Baptist Church in the R&R. Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. I feel like I've got some sort of connection to this place. As he said, my dad grew up here and he lived here. And I'm almost scared when people say the name Moats around here because I don't know what all my dad did when he grew up here. And I'm sure you're as shocked as some other people are that a Moats is actually a preacher. But, uh, uh, but thank the Lord for that. And of course, my pastor grew up here and uh, thankful for that. The years that he spent here and his dad pastored down the road a little ways. And I love this place. I was telling the fellows on the way here, you know, uh, outside of Georgia and the area I live there in Georgia, I probably love uh, this part of the country and this city really uh, more than any other place on the earth just because of the connection that I have here. And I love uh, the past several years. I've enjoyed being able to come up with Brother Joe. And uh, he always has a habit of embarrassing me every time I'm here and even when I'm not here. And so whoever those four girls that were singing that night, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, Of course, he don't think a lot, but no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, So anyway, I I told him, I I called him the next day. I said, I heard what you said, and I'm going to have to get back at you somehow. So uh, I've got a few minutes to get back at him. But anyway, he he would find his way up here and kill me if I did that. But it's, a great, it's great to be here. We were in, um, where were we at this morning? I've done forgot. We started off in the state of California, and uh, we made our way to Colorado and all through the Midwest and went to Rockford for a Sunday and things like that. And uh, we was down in Georgia, and now I feel like we're in the state of confusion. Uh, but it's good to be here tonight, and we're thankful for that. Drove all afternoon to get here, and we're excited to see what the Lord is going to do. Thank you so much, pa- Pastor, for allowing us to come. And, of course, the opportunity to preach as well. Out in the foyer, we do have a table set up. And, of course, we have information about the college, some info cards and some applications. Uh, If you fill out an info card, you get a gift. If you fill out an application, you get a T-shirt. That doesn't mean that uh, you're going to go to college. It just means that you're one step closer. And so if you're you're a young person in here tonight, you'd like to fill one of those things out, please do. Uh, Even if you're not a young person, you want to fill one out anyway, that'd be okay, too. Uh, Like I said, it doesn't mean you're going to come. Uh, but that would be good. We're in a competition with the girls tour group, and so if we can get more and more applications, more and more info cards, so I'm going to do like he did. If you, if you feel led of the Lord to fill out an application tonight, raise your hand. That don't make me feel any better. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. All right, Lord, but I'm kidding. No, uh, but we also have some books back there as well, and I believe every Christian needs some good material Uh, in their home, some good music in their home uh, that they can listen to, they can read, that'll help them grow closer to the Lord. We do have our brand new CD. Uh, This ain't it. Onward to the goal. That's not, that's last year's CD. You don't want this one. The New Year's, (laughs) the the New Year's CD, uh, this year's CD is 
no other name. And so you're going you're gonna to want to buy that one. All CDs are $12. That is the, that is the new tour group CD, uh, the current tour group. And they have five songs from the guys group and five songs from the ladies group. And so you'll want to avail yourself to that. We have several others. That, that, one, that, one, that one's out there too if you want to get that one. Uh, but yeah, all CDs are $12. Uh, we have books as well. All paperback books are $12. All hardback books are $14. If you buy two or more, then the price will drop $2. So $10, $12, etc. cetera. Uh, this is a, it's not a new book, but it is an expanded book. It's the people called Baptists. And one of the pastors from out in California Brother Mike Johnson, he wrote this book and compiled it, and he's one of the professors that teaches out at the college, and this is the textbook that we use for Baptist history, and it is a tremendous book. I want you to think, how much do you really know about Baptist history? Why are we Baptists? Why is the name Baptist on the church sign, and how did we get here, and who are the men and women that really paved the way that allowed us to meet here tonight. Well, this book is something that you're going to want to avail yourself to. It goes through the history of Baptists and the different people uh, that really made an impact in who we are and made us what we are today. And that's the people called Baptists. We also have for you ladies, we have a book called My Daily Blessings, as well as two other uh, devotional books out there uh, that are, we have a limited supply of those. So make sure you avail yourself to that. But My Daily Blessings, it's all blank. So that means you got to do some work. But it's all blank, and there's 365 blanks in here. Uh, and what you can do is this. Throughout the day and throughout your year, you can write down and log the different answered prayers, the different blessings, the different uh, needs that the Lord meets, the different ways he provides uh, for your needs in your life. And think about this. When you come down to the end of the year, uh, you can take a look at this book, and as you embark on a new year, and you can look back and see how good God's been and all that God has done for you and all the things he's accomplished in your life. And then Brother Bertram, I believe, was here last year, and he has a new book. He's been working on a series on a story of, uh, that he had a story of discovery, a story of grace, a story of mercy, and different things like that. This is his brand new one that's out this summer, A Story of Love. And it goes through the book of Philemon. You say, what's so good about the book of Philemon? you got to buy the book to figure that out. And uh, But this is $12 as well, and it's a study through the book of Philemon. Brother Bertram, as you well know, is a very gifted and uh, very spirit-filled man. And the way he looks at the scriptures and studies, it's, it's amazing uh, what God shows him and what he's able to deliver in these books and in different messages and things like that. So please stop by the table. Again, we're in a competition with the girls. So if we could get $5,000 tonight, that would be a blessing. <laughs> All right, just 4,000. But anyway, 2 Kings, I'm kidding. 2 Kings chapter number 19. And I want to give you the thought that I believe the Lord's placed upon our heart for tonight. I want to help you. And if you came looking for help, I'm glad you came to the right place. And it's an honor to be here tonight asking the Lord to speak to us and use us in a mighty way. 2 Kings chapter number 19. And we'll begin reading in verse number 10. 2 Kings chapter number 19 and verse number 10. Now when we come to this text, we are coming to a letter that was written to King Hezekiah, the king of Judah, uh, by the king of Assyria. His name was Sennacherib. And so when we come to verse number 10, this is what we're seeing. We are reading this letter that he wrote. Verse number 10, the Bible says, Thus shall ye speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, now here's the letter, let not thy God, in whom thou trustest, deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by destroying them utterly. And shalt thou be delivered? 
He pretty much asked this question. What makes you so different than any, anybody else? We've destroyed this nation. We've crumbled this nation. We've snuffed out this God and we've destroyed this nation. And are you going to be delivered? Are you going to be the exception to the rule? Are you going to be any different? And shalt thou be delivered? Verse number 12. Have the gods of the nations delivered them? which my fathers have destroyed as Gozen and Haran and Rezeph and the children of Eden, which were in Telazar. Where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad and the king of the city of Sepharvim of Henna and Iva? You say, are you pronouncing those names right? Are you kidding? I ain't got no idea. I'm from Georgia. My dad's from Roanoke Rapids. I am doomed for failure. Verse number 14 is our text. Look what it says in verse number 14. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. Now let me ask you this question. What would you do in this situation? What would you do after receiving this letter? What would you do after sitting on a throne and somebody brings you this letter and you know that your faith, your family, and your future are under attack? What would your response be to this? What is Hezekiah's response to this? Well, I love what Hezekiah doesn't do. Hezekiah does not go down to the local bar and try to drown his sorrows and his troubles away with alcohol. Hezekiah does not go to Facebook and uh, vomit up all of his troubles and all of his problems to get sympathy from other people. He doesn't get up in church and try to, uh, try to bring a tear-jerker kind of a testimony. And I'm thankful for those in the times that we can share burdens and requests to uh, the fellow believers and our brothers and sisters in Christ. But Hezekiah does not do that. What does Hezekiah do? It says that Hezekiah, after he read it, Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. I'm glad he knew where to go. I'm glad he knew that there was a place, there was a shelter, there was a sanctuary, a place where Hezekiah could go. And he knew that if he got to the place, he knew that at any moment help would be on the way. He knew he could do this. He could take his burden to the Lord and leave it there. I just want to go on record tonight and say I thank God for the church. I'm glad that there's a church here in Roanoke Rapids tonight. I'm glad that there are churches just like this scattered across this country. A place where people can go. When you've got burdens, you can go. When you've got needs, you can go. When you've got troubles, you can go. When you've got sin, you can go. I'm glad there was a place for Hezekiah to go to and I'm glad there's a place that you and I can go to tonight he went up into the house of the Lord and what did he do he spread it before the Lord picture Hezekiah if you would he's got this letter and he takes this letter he tucks it under his arm and he goes to church and when he gets there he bows before the Lord and he takes this letter and he spreads it before God he knows that he can bring his burden. He knows that he can bring his need. He knows that he can take his burden to the Lord and leave it there. Here's exactly what Hezekiah did. He took his problem, his need, his burden, his difficulty, his questions, and he brought it all to the Lord. You say, Brother Joe, what am I going to do with my difficulty? Just bring it all to him. You say, what am I going to do with my need? Just bring it all to him. 
You say, what am I going to do about my health situation? Just bring it all to him. What am I going to do with my financial deficit? Just bring it all to him. What am I going to do with my sickness, with my disease, with my prayer, with my need, with my burden? I'm glad that I can tell you tonight, you just got to bring it all to him. After all, he can do more with it than we can uh, and better than us holding on to it uh, and better than us harboring it uh, and better than us trying to help ourselves. Uh, I'm glad, beloved, uh, that there's a place that we can go uh, and I'm glad we can take our burden to the Lord and he can hear our prayer and meet our needs and lift our burden and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. With the help of the Lord in the next few moments, I want to preach on that thought. Just bring it all to him. Just bring it all to him. Heavenly Father, I pray you bless us in the next few moments. God, speak to the heart of your children, I pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the 16 and the 1700s, there was a bright and a passionate faith that started out in the old country, started out in England, then made its way to the original 13 colonies. It was called the Puritan Movement. Now, those of you who know your history know that the Puritan movement got that name because they were seeking to purify the state church, purify the church of England, and that's what they were desiring to do. But they also got this nickname or the name of the Puritan movement because that's exactly what they sought. In every aspect of their Christian life, they sought purity. They sought purity in worship. They sought purity in giving. They sought purity in service. And they sought purity in prayer. Their aim was not a casual uh, approach to prayer. Their aim was not a minimal effort kind of prayer life. But their prayers literally shook the lives of many individuals because they sought purity in that aspect of their Christian Christian life in prayer as they would plead to God for grace and mercy and favor and blessing it would seem that God heard the prayers as they uh, exited the lips of those individuals and God would meet the needs of those specific people one of those men was a man by the name of Robert Hawker Robert Hawker made this statement concerning the Lord he said you are the almighty burden bearer of your people he said so will I not cast my care upon you he said will I worry when the scripture says cast thy burden on the Lord and he will sustain thee here's what he wanted people to realize there's already a God that has already promised that he will hear your prayer and he will answer your prayer so why in the world would I want to hang on to those burdens why in the world would I want to walk through life with those burdens hanging upon my shoulder when God has already said come unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not why in the world would I want to harbor that hate or harbor that burden or harbor that need when God has already made the promise that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that we can ask or think why in the world would I want to hang on to my prayer and hang on to that need when God has said that if we cry unto him that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and tonight the motto of modern Christians ought to be I'm not going to hang on to my problem I'm not going to hang on to my burden I'm not going to try to help myself because that will end in defeat but there's a place that I can go and I know that in that place I can get a hold of God and he can meet my needs 
and he can answer my prayer like he's done many times before. You say, what do I do when trouble comes against me? Just bring it all to him. What do I do when the trial abounds in my life? Just bring it all to him. What do I do when turmoil is all around me? I'll tell you what you do. You take that letter that the devil's done wrote you. You tuck it under your arm and you make your way to your prayer closet. You make your way to the house of God. You get where you know you can get a hold of God and just bring it all to Him. A large portion of your Bible and of Scripture is occupied with the subject of prayer. I began to wonder why that is and then it seemed that the Lord just showed me that there is much said about prayer because prayer is much needed in the Christian life. I believe it was Billy Sunday that said, if you're a stranger to prayer, you're going to be a stranger to power. And as we survey the subject of prayer in the Bible, we find that the Scripture provides us with people who are examples in prayer. It provides us with precepts that enforce prayer. And it provides us with promises that encourage us to pray. All we have to do is turn a few pages into the Bible and we read the statement, then men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. And before we close our Bible, the amen of an earnest supplication meets our ear and in between Genesis and Revelation are men and women mothers and fathers sons and daughters that found out that the best thing they can do with their problems is just bring it all to him think about it Lot was rescued because Abraham brought it all to him Lazarus was resurrected because Mary and Martha brought it all to him Hannah was rewarded because she came and brought it all to him Peter was released from prison because in the midnight hour the church said we're going to bring it all to him Isaac got a relationship because Eliezer brought it all to him Miriam was restored because Moses brought it all to him and Samson was re-energized in the final moments of his life because he knew he could still bring it all to him Jerusalem was revived because there's about 120 sold out spirit filled Christians up in an upper room somewhere that knew that when persecution was on the rise, they could still bring it all to him. Jacob wrestled with God in the midnight hour and brought it all to him. Daniel prayed three times a day and brought it all to him. David out in the wilderness got his harp and talked to God and he brought it all to him. I find that prayer can be made in any place. Aren't you glad that your geographical location does not determine when or where you can pray? There is no leash on the location of where you can pray. Jesus prayed in a garden. Daniel prayed in a lion's den. I'm telling you, Paul and Silas prayed in a prison. Peter was sinking in the midst of the sea and he cried out, Lord, save me. I'm glad it doesn't matter where you are. I'm glad it doesn't matter where you find yourself. But prayer can be made in any place. Prayer can be made in any position. I read about people praying while they're kneeling. People praying while they're standing. People praying while they're walking. I've even seen some people praying while they're driving. Of course, if you do that, honey, you better close your eyes. Uh, no, you better open your eyes. Seeing if y'all paying attention. You better open your eyes when you pray if you're driving. Bless God, if you drive through Atlanta, you better make sure you're praying while you're driving. 
If not, you for sure will lose your testimony. Say amen right there. But prayer can be made in any position. Prayer can be made with any problem. There's no problem too big. There's no problem too small. There's no problem too great. There's no problem too insignificant. Praise God if it matters to you. It matters to the master. If it's heavy on your heart, he wants to hear about it. I'm glad that anything is possible when we go to God in prayer. And prayer can be made by any person. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, or what you've done. It doesn't matter if you prayed last night or it's been years since you've ever prayed a prayer to God. I'm glad prayer can be made by any person, anybody can bring it all to him. When we come to 2 Kings 19, we come to the reign of Hezekiah. I don't have time to go through all of it, but under Hezekiah, we see his reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 29 years. If you studied out chapter number 18, you will see the revival that took place under his reign. You see that God greatly blessed, and he found favor in the eyes of God. One of the things that I found about Hezekiah, it said that he clave unto the Lord. It said that he followed hard after God, and because of that, the Lord prospered him. But then you read in 1 Kings, 2 Kings rather, chapter number 18, and you see the reproach that took place under his reign. You say, but Brother Joe, I thought you said Hezekiah was a good man. He was. I thought you said that God blessed Hezekiah. He did. I thought you said, Brother Joe, I thought you said that Hezekiah saw a revival under his reign. He did. But how many of you, the devil, don't mess with crazy people? Once you set your heart to serve God, boy, you better believe that there's a target on your back about that big. Once you, once you set your heart to pant hard after God, you better know that the devil's going to be after you. Once you decide that you're going to raise a godly family in this God-forsaken world in which we live, you better know that there's a target on your back. Once you decide that you're going to be faithful to the house of God, you're going to be faithful to the word of God. Once you decide that you're going to try to live your life to make it count for Jesus and make it count for things eternal, you better know that the devil ain't going to be too thrilled about it. And that's exactly what happened. Boy, the devil's not excited about Hezekiah serving God and the revival that's taking place in the land of Judah. So he raises up an enemy by the name of Sennacherib. Boy, Sennacherib in our text writes this letter. And boy, this is more than political for Hezekiah. This is personal. As Hezekiah reads this letter, and he is there and he is reading the contents of this letter, he has dealt with idolatry that is pagan. He has dealt with indulgence that is practiced. He has dealt with indifference that has prevailed, but now he is dealing with an invader that is progressing. Hezekiah tries to solve it on his own. He tries to trust himself. He gives him the gold and the silver from the house of God and from the palace, and he thinks that that's going to solve all the problems. But how many of you know that when we try to solve and fix things ourselves, that's not the end of the problem? That's not when the enemy just decides to give up. Oh, the enemy doesn't like to give up. And he keeps on pressing on. And here in 2 Kings chapter number 19, once, uh, once Sennacherib receives the word here, here's what he does. He takes this letter and he begins to threaten Hezekiah. Hezekiah gets this letter from the messenger. And I can see him as he reads it and it's almost like his face turns as white as the ghost. As all the blood rushes out of his body and fear strikes him in his heart. He knows, as I said earlier in the message, he knows that he knows his family is at stake. He knows his faith is at stake and he knows his future 
is at stake. I see somebody as they're watching Hezekiah and he ascends off the throne. He's got that letter. He tucks it under his arm and he begins to walk out of the palace. I, I think about those people who see what's going on and see what's happening and they say, man, where's Hezekiah going? He must be going to talk to some of our allies to try to get some bands together. No. He must be going down to talk to, uh, he must be going down to the bunker to get the generals and try to put a, a strategic battle plan together. No. Oh, he must be going to talk to the preacher. He must be going to talk to the priest. No, he's going to talk to the great high priest. He takes this letter. He's not going to go to find his allies. He's not going to go talk to his mama. He's not going to go talk to his papa. He's not going to go try to talk to some, uh, to, to some person that can try to predict the future, uh, some witch or something like that. No, he goes to where he knows he can get help. He goes to where he knows he can get a hold of God. He goes to where he knows he can bring his burden to the Lord and God can take care of it all. He goes, he brings it all to the Lord. I want to give you four words and I'll be done. Number one, the conflict. Boy, Hezekiah is under some heavy pressure right here. Hezekiah is facing something he's never faced before. Hezekiah is walking through something he's never had to walk through before. Hezekiah has got a heavy weight and a heavy burden upon his heart. He receives this letter and this letter represents a burden. It represents a problem. It represents a need. It represents a difficulty that I believe every child of God has to deal with at some point or another in their life. The conflict. But number two, I want you to see the cry. Look what he does. We read it in the text, verse number 14. Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Watch this now. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord. Said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God. Even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Watch this now. It says, Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. He skipped down to verse number 19. He says, Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us. Boy, he takes this letter and he goes. He begins to talk to God. Boy, he... Oh, Hallelujah. I like that. I know what I'm about to say. Y'all don't, so y'all just bear with me for one second. He knows that ain't nobody going to solve this problem like God can. He knows as he gets up off that throne and he begins to walk, he says, I'm not going to you. I'm not going to you. I don't know anybody else that can fix this problem, but I know a man who can. I know a man. I know a God in heaven that has already told me. Oh, folks before me have told me. He's heard their prayer. He's answered their needs. He solved their problems. And if he's done it before, I don't know. I might be crazy enough just to believe that God can do it again. Amen. He cries, the conflict, the cry. Watch this, the comfort. Verse number 20. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Say these next three words out loud with me. I have heard. Boy, can you imagine how comforting that must have been 
I'm sure Hezekiah probably as he knelt before that veil and as he's praying toward the Shekinah glory of God and as he's praying before, he's praying toward the Ark of the Covenant and toward the presence of God. He's blocked by a veil. And I wonder if he just thinks that maybe God didn't hear him. I wonder if he's deceived and maybe he thinks that his voice didn't get any higher than the ceiling. I wonder if he thinks that his words that were uttered out into space were not heard by the ears of an almighty prayer answering God. But then Isaiah says, hey, you send that messenger and you go let him know that God said, I heard every word. Aren't you glad that when a child of God prays, we're not just wasting time. We're not just uttering words off into thin air. But there's a God up in heaven. David said in Psalm 34, he said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard me and saved me from every fear. Daniel had been down on his face and on his uh, prostrate laying before the Lord for 120 days and then the angel came by later and he said Daniel I just want to let you know that the very first time you prayed the very first time you brought your request and made your petition known unto God I heard you there's not one prayer of a child of God that goes unheard by our heavenly father Hold Psalm 3 David said many there be Increase that trouble me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God but thou, O Lord. Heart of shield for me, a glory and a lifter of my head. He said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And he heard me. Out of his holy hill. Boy, isn't it amazing to think that there's a God in heaven that is concerned with the feeble words of little old me and little old you. And he wants to let him know. He says, look, I'm going to comfort you because I want you to, I want to let you know I have heard you. Boy, 2 Kings 19 is such a wonderful chapter, but I want to close with this. Down here at the end of the chapter, verse number 32. 2 Kings 19, verse 32 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. Verse 33, by the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. He said, for I will defend this city. Last of all, see the conquest. You know what Hezekiah did? He built a wall of prayer around that city. He built a wall of prayer around his family. He built a wall of family, a, a wall of prayer around his future. Boy, bigger than the wall around that city was a wall of prayer that Hezekiah, that Hezekiah's prayer erected that night. And God said, he ain't even gonna get close. He ain't, he ain't even gonna be able to get to shoot an arrow into it. He ain't even gonna be able to get close enough to make you scared because you've built a, a wall of prayer and I will defend this city. And last of all, notice, notice why. He said, I'll defend the border, verse 34. Uh, yeah, for, 34. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake. Yeah. Not for Hezekiah's sake. Right. Not for your family's sake. Not for the nation's sake. For mine own sake. You know what I realize? God's not going to make anything happen that puts his character in jeopardy. God said, hey, 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 I promise that I'm going to bless you. I promise that I'm going to protect you. I've made my promise. I put my reputation and my character on the line. He said, for my sake. Boy, I'm going to protect you. And then last of all, I'm done. Verse number 35. And it came to pass that night 
that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. When they arose early in the morning, watch this, behold, they were all dead corpses. I'm going to preach this to my seat and I'll be done. They went to bed that night with a burden. Hezekiah went to go pray. He brought his burden to the Lord. And he went to bed with a larger than life difficulty. He went to bed with something that he could not fix. Something he could not figure out. A problem he could not solve. A situation he could not troubleshoot. Right. He went to bed with a burden. But when he got up the next morning. Mm, I got a wild imagination. Y'all just kind of have to bear with me for a second. When he got up the next morning. And he looked out the window. I bet they scratched their head, rubbed their chin, said, what happened to our problem? What happened to our need? What happened to our difficulty? Boy, they went to bed that night not knowing what in the world they was going to do. They went to bed that night not, not knowing how they were going to fix this. They went to bed that night with something they could not solve, something they could not troubleshoot, something that was a whole lot bigger than what they could do. But when they got up the next morning, they realized that God dwelleth in thick darkness. They realized that when they could not do anything, God could do everything. They realized that they were living Limited, and they were small and they were weak but they served hallelujah they served a mighty God and a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God that can do more in the midnight hour than you and I could ever do in our lifetime Amen. here's what I want to say and I'm done tonight you're going to go to bed with a problem you're going to go to bed with a need you're going to go to bed with a difficulty but one of these mornings, hallelujah, one of these mornings you're going to wake up and you're going to go. I lost my glasses so I can't use those. Thank you. You're going to scratch your head, rub your chin and say, my, 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 what happened to my problem? And you're going to say, boy, I'm glad and I bless the good, glad day that I brought all to him. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.